Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, using the Bible provided for you, we just read this passage, page 1002, we are making a journey through this wonderful, wonderful portion of God's Word that reminds us that Jesus is better, He is better than anything this world, and it is only wisdom to say, I would rather have Jesus than anything this world can offer me, Right? And so don't settle for less, because Jesus is better. Whatever, whatever it is, it's not comparable to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is better. Don't settle for less. I want to begin this Sunday where I finished last Sunday, if I might. He was a man who, by all accounts, would have been considered incredibly successful in life. He would have been considered phenomenally successful. He's 31 years of age, handsome, articulate, a playboy who lived for learning and lust. In his mid to late 20s, he was already lead professor at one of the greatest universities in the world. And though he lived such a, an ungodly and profligate lifestyle, he had a godly mother, a praying mother, who claimed him for Jesus and relentlessly prayed for him and, as she had opportunity, encouraged him to turn to Christ. But one August day... As he was visiting the villa of one of his friends, he was greatly troubled in his conscience about his lifestyle and the manner of life of which he had been living. And so he sought some peace and serenity by going out into the lovely garden of the villa. And he took along for some reading a copy of some scripture that his mother had encouraged him to read. And there in the beauty of the garden, he began to read from the book. And he began sobbing, sobbing as he read the book, cried out for peace, but peace did not come to his heart. Just tortured in soul. But as he was sobbing and crying out to God, he began to hear a voice, the voice of a little child in a nearby villa who was chanting a, a children's song. And she was singing over and over again. Tola lege, tola lege, tola lege. Take and read, take and read, take and read. And he thought perhaps this was some sort of sign. So he went back to the bench where he had been seated and he picked up the scripture that he had set aside. And as he opened it, his eyes fell on this passage of scripture. Romans chapter 13, verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision... For the flesh 
to gratify its desires. And he was stunned. He was, he was riveted by that truth. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said in that moment it was as if heavenly light had flooded his soul and he understood that Christ was his peace. That peace was found in the Christ that his, his mother had told him about all these years and he surrendered there in the garden in praise and worship to the Lord Jesus. And peace came. Rest came by trusting in Jesus. This young man's name was Augustine. Years later, after he had become one of the greatest leaders of the Christian church in the fourth century, he wrote his spiritual biography called Confessions. There's a biography and also words of praise and meditation. And here is what he wrote in one of his prayers. Here's where we ended last week. Augustine wrote, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Now, in the passage I've just read, ten times the word rest is used. Ten times. We are told repeatedly in this passage that we've just read not to miss God's rest. We are told not to fail to obtain God's rest like the Israelites did who failed to enter into the land of rest because of their unbelief. And the writer's challenge here, and it's inspired by the Holy Spirit for all of us as professing believers in Jesus Christ. It, it is a challenge that may seem contradictory, but it is absolutely true. We are told here, in effect, that we need to press into our rest. That we need to press into our rest. That what is offered to us in Christ is so wonderful, this rest, that we must give ourselves, heart, soul, mind, body, all of our diligence and focus into entering into this rest. Ten times, he says, enter this rest. So that leads us to the question, what is this rest? What is this rest? If we're told time and time again, don't fail of the rest. Don't, don't fail to obtain the rest. Enter into this rest. There is a rest. What does it mean? Well, here is the answer. Rest here means the fullness of life in God and with God. That's what the rest is. The rest is not the promised land in and of itself. The rest is not heaven in and of itself. The rest is life in God and with God. 
Now, to open up this very complicated passage of Scripture, one that requires us to diligently examine what the Lord is saying, we need to see that there are four expressions, there's four separate expressions of this rest, life in God and life with God, that the writer here is talking about. And we have to keep them clear in our mind. The first rest is this. It's the rest which is really the original divine intention. The original divine intention. And you find that in verse 4. Look at verse 4 where the writer says, For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day, the Sabbath, in this way, And God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. So the rest finds itself in God. And it finds itself in what God did after he had created. You remember the Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth in six days. In six days, he created all things and finally Kneeling down in the soil, so to speak, God formed dirt into a human form and breathed into that form his life-giving breath and man became a living being. Adam, human beings came into existence. And then, of course, we know woman, Eve, as well, from Adam. But the point I want you to notice here, it says on the seventh day, God did what? On the seventh day, he rested. Now, that's curious. What does God never need to do? Rest. He doesn't get tired. It wasn't like God after six days said, do I need a break? This has worn me out. Thought the weekend would never get here. That's that, that's not what it means. God doesn't get tired. What it, does it mean he rested? Listen carefully. It means he finished. He completed. After six days, God completed, finished his creation. And his creation, finished, displayed his glory. The Bible says he looked at, at all that he had created, including mankind And what did he say? Behold, it is what? Very good. And all of creation displayed his glory. But let me tell you something else that is displayed. It displayed his grace. Why did God create all that this that exists? Why did he create living beings, human beings? Was it because God was bored? He just said, I haven't done anything exciting for a while. No, God cannot be bored. He is fully satisfied in and of himself. He is totally complete. He has no needs whatsoever. And so when it says that God created, then he rested, what what that means is after creating everything from himself, he shared it all. All of life which was from him was shared. The animals, the plants, the birds, the fish, the human beings, they all shared wonderfully, unitedly, harmoniously in his life 
in him and with him. It was all very good. Everything was perfect. Everything was sharing his life. Now, did you ever notice something very interesting about the, set, the six days of creation? On the first six, what does it say? And the evening and the morning, one day. And the evening and the morning, the second day. Guess what it does not say about the seventh day? It does not say evening and morning, the seventh day. Why? Because the seventh day doesn't end. God has finished his creation. He has ceased from his creation. Now his rest has become begun. And he shares life in him and with all things who will trust in him and obey him. That day does not end. It is still God's Sabbath forever. And so life with God, life in God, that's what the original intention of God was. Now this is the whole theme of the Bible. If you want to know what is the Bible all about, what is this book about, this is what it's about. Paradise, lost, paradise regained through the Lord Jesus Christ. Redemption, what was ruined, life with God, life in God, ruined, restored, and offered to all through Jesus Christ and ultimately a return to never-ending paradise. That's what the Bible's all about. Now, because that's what the Bible's all about, there are object lessons about that throughout the Bible, and that is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. The writer of Hebrews is citing a national historical situation, a historical national situation about rest. He's telling the story beginning in chapter 3, verse 7. Do you see that? Chapter 3, verse 7, all the way to chapter 4, verse 13, is the story of the people of Israel who were led out of slavery with the opportunity to enter the promised land but they did not enter in because of their rebellion and unbelief. So he is using this national historical situation as an object lesson to challenge people. Do not reject the rest of God, life in God, life with God that is offered. Don't reject the rest like the slaves in Egypt who were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb over their doors, who were led to emancipation by Moses through the Red Sea, who were delivered by the destruction of Pharaoh's army, who were led through the wilderness and they were fed daily and cared for, yet they would not believe they rebelled and they were forbidden to enter God's rest. His object lesson is 
Don't let this happen to you. They were rejecting from enjoying his rest. And so this spiritual present invitation is what the writer of Hebrews is doing. He's taking this historical national situation and he's using it to make a present spiritual invitation. Here's what he's saying. Listen carefully. God is saying here, if you read between the lines, they didn't enter because of unbelief. They didn't enter my rest, but my rest still remains and you can enter it. You can enter my rest. It's a present tense spiritual invitation. It's always available. God's rest, life with Him, life in Him is always available. Look at verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, present tense, right now, the promise of entering into life in God and life with God still stands. It stood in Moses' day, but just because the Israelites did not go in, did not do away with God's rest, it still stands. It, sta it stood in Joshua's day, who 40 years later brought the people back. And the promise stood, still stood then. 400 years later, when David was writing Psalm 95, and that's what's being quoted here. The promise of entering into God's rest was still standing. Now, a thousand years after David, the writer of the Hebrews, is saying the promise of entering his rest, life in God, life with God, still stands. And brothers and sisters, 2,000 years later, from the living word of God, from the God who cannot lie, his promise of life in him and with him still stands. The invitation is still open. You have not been missed. It's not finished. The seventh day continues. And you can enter in to life with God and life in God, it still stands. But now notice, there are four, four very, very important things to know about this invitation to enter God's rest. Four things you have to know, and that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, first of all, this. This, this rest is provided only in Christ. This rest is provided only in Christ. Christ himself is our rest. Not our religion, but our Redeemer is our rest. Here's what Paul said about this in Colossians, when he wrote the letter of Colossians. And that song that we just sang is filled with scripture from Colossians. But here's what Paul said in Colossians 2, verses 16 and 17. Therefore, 
Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food, drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath day. Now stop. What are those things? Those are Jewish practices of the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant practices, feast days, new moons, Sabbaths, what you can eat, and what you cannot eat. Let no one put those on you as a believer in the Lord Jesus. Why? Verse 17. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Here is what he is saying to Jewish people who were thinking about going back. They were thinking about going back to the Old Testament practices. He said, don't you understand the Sabbath and all the regulations and the temple and the tabernacle and the fabrics and the sacrifices and the altar and the table and the lampstand and the Ark of the Covenant and all those things were just shadows but the reality has come in Jesus. Why would you want to turn back to shadows when the reality is here, the Lord Jesus himself? I've said before, if I walk out these doors on a somewhat sunny day like this, and I see Susan walking across the parking lot toward me, her shadow may be coming across the parking lot. But guess what? I guarantee you, I'm not going to go up and hug her shadow. Can't you think how crazy that would look if you saw me chasing her shadow around? And I'm trying to, no, 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 no. I don't want the shadow. I want the real deal. You know what I'm saying? Why would I hug her shadow? I want her. Why? Why are you trying to find rest in religious observances? You'll never find rest for your soul in religious observances. You'll never find rest in religious practices unless those observances and practices are focusing your mind on the Lord Jesus Christ who is our rest. Wrap your arms around Jesus. He gives you rest. There's no rest in religion. There is no rest for your soul in religion. You could come to this church 70 years. You'd never find rest unless you embrace Jesus Christ. He is our rest. Take hold of Him. That's what the writer is saying. What did Jesus say? Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. He talks about a yoke. I always laugh now. I can't help it when I come to this verse. Several years ago, I was speaking. I was quoting this verse of Scripture. Over here, some middle schoolers, their heads were together, and they started going like this. One of the workers went over and said, Stop, shh, shh, shh. You pay attention. And one of them said, oh, we are paying attention. We're just looking up yoke. We don't know what a yoke is. What's a yoke? 
And I'm up here talking about my yoke is easy and burdens like, what's that, okay? What's a yoke? It's, it's oxen together in that wooden harness, you could call it. When Jesus compares himself to an ox, do you see this? Take my yoke upon you. Get, get yoked up with me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You learn from me, you'll find rest for your souls. Don't ever believe that following Jesus means a life of misery and neglect. He said it is full of rest. Rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus himself is our eternal rest. I love to think about this next Sunday is what? Palm Sunday. On Palm Sunday, the Lord Jesus entered Jerusalem, first day of the week. He stayed in and around Jerusalem for the next five days. Thursday night, instituted the Lord's Supper. Then to Gethsemane. Then arrested on Friday morning. On Friday afternoon, as he was dying on the cross, the sixth day, he shouted out with a loud voice. What did he say? It is finished. The work is done. Spirit to the Father, body to rest the seventh day in the tomb but on the first day of the week. A brand new covenant, a brand new beginning of life, rest, living life, and living rest with a living Redeemer forever and ever, a resurrected Lord who's brought a new creation to all who will believe. Oh, the Lord's awesome. Even to the way he carried out his final week of passion. The Lord Jesus is saying, I am your rest. I'll do the work. I'll finish it. And I will lie down on the Sabbath day. But I will rise the first fruits of the resurrection. What a Savior we have. Amen. God's rest is provided only in Christ. Secondly, God's rest is provided only through faith. Only through faith. We started at chapter 4, verse 1. Look at the verse ahead, chapter 3, verse 19. It says, so we see they were unable to enter because of what? Unbelief. Then verse 1, the thought continues. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest, the promise still stands, let us fear. And I want to tell you, if you have a translation, it says something else but fear there. It may be a wonderful translation, but that is a mistranslation. The word means fear. Let us fear, lest any should seem to have failed to reach this rest. For the good news... The gospel came to us just as it did to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them 
Because they were not united by faith. They just heard the words. But their heart did not enter in in submission. But verse 3. We who have believed enter that rest. We who have believed. That's the promise. If you have believed, sincerely trusted in Jesus, you enter that rest. And dear friend, that is offered to all here. Anyone here, if you will believe, if you will truly trust in Jesus, you will enter that rest. That's the gospel. It's provided only in Christ, this rest. Life with God and in God is provided only in Christ. It's provided only through faith. And number three, it's provided only for a limited time. It's provided only for a limited time. How many times is the word rest used here, did I tell you? Ten. But there's another word used five times. Five times. Let's look at it. Chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, mark that day in your Bible, mark that. Today, if you hear his voice. Look at chapter 3, verse 13. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. Look at chapter 3, verse 15. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And then look at chapter 4, verse 7. It's used two times in one verse. Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, 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 today. Today, enter his rest. Today, how much clearer could the Lord be? Today, it's not open forever. It's not whenever. It's today. My dear friends, the most bone-chilling, soul-crushing words I have ever heard come out of people's mouths, and I've heard it many times, something like this. A person will say, I will get saved when I want to get saved. I will get saved when I'm ready to get saved. I will make my peace with God when I'm ready to. Not now while I'm still young. Not now while I still want to have my fun. Not now while I'm filled with my business. Not now while I'm focused on my children. Not now when I'm spending so much time with my grandchildren. Not now when I'm full with my activities in retirement. But I'll get saved when I want to get saved. And that is absolutely, terrifyingly wrong. You do not get saved when you want to get saved. You get saved when God is ready to save you. When God calls, you can be saved. But if God does not call, you will not come. And if you do not come, you'll be lost. 
And if you do not called by God, if you do not hear His voice, you might as well be in hell already. When you can no longer hear the pleading of the Holy Spirit to come to Jesus, it's as if you're already damned. Today, if you hear His voice. Today, if even so faintly you hear the Lord speaking. Today, enter. Come on. He loves you. He's calling you. He's pleading with you. But it's only Today. 2 Corinthians 6 2. For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you. When it was favorable to me, I listened to you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Oh, my friend, right now. Right now. In the first service, someone became very, very ill in here. And thank God, they were able to be revived and helped. But my friend, that's what life is like. Just a thread. Just a heartbeat. If you're hearing God's voice right now, don't walk out these doors. Don't take another step. Right now, with all your heart, you say, Yes, Lord, I hear your voice. I will surrender to Jesus. I will take him as my rest. Today, with all my heart, I come, Lord Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus made this promise. And those that come to me, I will never cast them out. Ever. Right now. God's rest is provided only in Christ. God's rest is provided only through faith. God's rest is provided only for a limited time. And God's rest is provided only for genuine disciples. People who truly believe, not people who are playing games. That's verses 11 through 13. Make a personal examination. Verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter, the rest, enter that rest. What's the title of this message? Press into your rest. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of dis disobedience. Truly, truly believe. Truly come to Christ. Personal examination. Be sure. Is your faith sincere? Is it, is it honest and genuine? Not are you perfect, but does your life demonstrate, yes, my faith is real. Examine yourself because there comes the final examination. The final examination is verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, 
discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This is the mind of God. The word of God here is the mind of God. And in his omniscience, he is able to discern the reality or the hypocrisy of a person's profession. Verse 13, no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Naked and exposed. This is an amazing expression. It's, it's used of God. And if this were not the inspired word, we would be even reluctant to use this expression because of what it means. All things are naked and exposed. The word naked there, we get our word gym from that. Gymnasium. It means naked. And it's the idea of competition, which took place in the ancient Greece in the nude. It's the image here, though, naked and exposed. Do you know what that word exposed means? It means to grab by the throat, like in a wrestling match, to grab by the throat and lift your opponent's face so that you are eyeball to eyeball. All things are naked and exposed face to face with the eyes of omniscience. That is the one to whom we must give an account. That's the final judgment. All will be revealed. All will be laid bare. All things are naked and exposed before his eyes. That's a soul-searching statement, isn't it? So guess what? We need to search our souls. Be certain that we enter God's rest. Life with God, life in God. And you know what? That's the final aspect I want you to see. Just these moments as we close. There is a future eternal restoration. There is a future eternal restoration. It's described here in verse 9. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Future eternal restoration. Restoration. Where did creation begin? Paradise. All things perfectly harmonious, working together under the loving, sovereign control of God. Life perfectly enjoyed in God, with God. That's where things began. And folks, that's where things are headed. That is what's ahead for every person who believes in Jesus. To enter in to paradise where all things are restored and all that is so wrong and so contrary to what it was intended to be is gone forever, but perfect harmony, life in God and with God forever. Last time the word rest is used this way in the New Testament. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. 
I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their deeds follow them. Friends, your life's not over when it's over. Your deeds follow you. Every act of kindness, every encouraging word, everything done for the love of God, with the love of God, every word, every action, all of that has its ongoing impact and it follows you. But notice what it says, they rest from their labors. You know what that word rest means? It comes from pulling a bow. Pulling a bow taunt. And then you release the tension. Rest. The stress is gone. The pressure is gone. The struggle is gone. It's rest. It doesn't mean sitting around talking with angels for a few thousand years. It means all that has ever been stressful, contrary to peace, it's all gone. Rest. During the Civil War, one of the greatest Civil War generals was a man by the name of Thomas J. Jackson. He's known as Stonewall Jackson because from the first battle of Manassas or the first battle of Bull Run when his regiment stood like a stone wall, he was given that name. Someone saying, there's Jackson standing like a stone wall. Rally to Jackson, rally to Jackson. He was an incredibly brilliant general. His cause was a misguided cause. It's not a good cause when the ultimate purpose of the cause is to keep people enslaved in human bondage. His cause was not right. But he was a devout Christian. A devout Christian. In May of 1863, at night while he was scouting for the next day of battle at Chancellorsville, one of his own soldiers, mistaking him for the enemy, shot him. He was shot in his left arm. His left arm was amputated. They thought he was going to survive, but he developed infection. Infection went throughout his whole body. He lingered for many days. And then on a final day, on a Sunday, his wife told him he was not going to survive. And Stonewall said to the doctor, Doctor, I understand I cannot survive. The doctor said, You cannot, sir. He said, Tis well. Is this not Sunday? They said, It is Sunday. He said, That is good. I've always wanted to die on a Sunday. And then after several more hours, as his life was ebbing away, at the very final moment, 
with a clear voice. Here's what the old general said. Let us cross over the river and rest beneath the shade of the trees. Let us cross over the river and rest beneath the shade of the trees. There remains a rest for the people of God. It may be soon. It may be decades from now. But it's just across the river. And rest. Neath the leaves of the tree of life. Life with God. Life in God forever and ever. That's the rest. That's not too bad. (laughs) Press into it.